0: be in Psalm 89. We're continuing on where we left off. We've been in Psalm 89 the last few weeks. It's kind of a long psalm, so it's taken us a little bit of time to get through it. We're going to cover a big portion tonight, though, Lord willing. We're going to cover verses 19 through 37, and then, Lord willing, we'll finish it. Next week, but tonight we'll be in Psalm 89, verse 19. We saw at the beginning of the psalm and the superscription that this was written by Ethan the Ezraite. And the psalm really, for the most part, is really focused on the Davidic covenant. We've talked about that psalm as we've gone through it. And we're going to talk about it some more tonight because that's what, that's what Ethan spends the bulk of the time writing about here in this psalm. So let's pray and we'll get started. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word and I pray, dear Lord, that we would get something from this, that as we we learn about your promises and your King David and a better King that was to come from David, dear Lord, I pray that you would help us to rejoice in that King tonight and Jesus Christ. I pray that Your Holy Spirit would help our hearts to be focused on you, dear Lord, that you'd let us hear what we need to hear. I pray that you'd take away any worries or fears or whatever we may have brought in from the world, that we'd kind of free our mind of that, dear Lord, and in these few minutes you'd hide me behind the cross, and that your word would speak through me and to each one of us, and I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 89, verse 19. You spoke in a vision to your loyal ones and said, I have granted help to a warrior. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found David my servant. I have anointed him with my sacred oil. My hand will always be with him, and my arm will strengthen him. The enemy will not afflict him. No wicked man will oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike those who hate him. My faithfulness and love will be with him and through my name his horn will be exalted. Now, this is certainly referencing back in Second Samuel chapter 7 when God made the covenant with David that he was going to make David as king. Now, David was already as, as, uh, the king at this time. But as king, God was going to make David's kingship last forever. That is, through David's descendants, there was ultimately going to come a king who was going to rule forever. And that king would be Jesus. David was from the tribe of Judah. Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. We see that in the New Testament. as It talks about Jesus. as It talks about those kings coming from the tribe of Judah. And Jesus is the one that fulfilled this covenant that God made with David. Now, here in the context, we're certainly talking about David. But I think it's natural for us, especially if we've read through the New Testament, to begin to see Jesus in this, these promises that are made, to know that they are only fulfilled through Jesus and who Jesus is and what Jesus has done on the cross. And so the author here talks about, hey, hey, God revealed this to his holy ones. Now, in 2 Samuel 7, It was God who revealed this to Nathan, the prophet, and said, Hey, tell David this. Tell David this is what's going to happen. And so he spoke to Nathan. He spoke to David. He spoke these words. And what were the words he spoke? He said, Look, David, I'm going to establish your kingship forever. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to watch over you. Now, that's not to say that nothing bad was ever going to happen to David because David did sin greatly. And there were consequences certainly for David's sin, but God was merciful and gracious even to David, even though he was sinful. God said, look, your line is going to be established. And so praise the Lord, God made that promise with David. He made the Davidic covenant and that's what this psalm is really about. That's what the psalmist has been talking about all through this point. He's been talking about the greatness of the king and the greatness of God who gave David and who made this promise to David and who was powerful and who gave David power and that's what we see in this last verse here that we read verse 24. My faithfulness and love will be with him and through my name his Horn will be exhausted. We talked about that last week. We talked about horn. Sometimes we see the phrase horn there. That's another way of saying his power, that David's power is going to be exalted, that God is going to be with David. He's going to be powerful because God will be on his side and fight with him and fight for him and lead him and guide him and establish that kingdom, that kingship that he had promised through David. All right, let's look at verse 25. I will extend his power to the sea and his right hand to the rivers. Now, we just talked about his horn being exalted. That is that God was going to give David power. And then we see that here. I will extend his power to the sea and his right hand to the rivers. Now, Right hand is another way of saying power. He's saying his strength, his power. That is, David's kingdom is going to be from the sea to the rivers. It's going to cover that that whole area there, that David's going to have a strong kingdom by the power of God. Verse 26, he will call to me, you are my father, my God, the rock of my salvation. Now, this is language that we have seen as we have been going through these psalms we saw this very language in Psalm 18 that David acknowledges that God is his rock, that God is the one that he can stand on. And that's, that's, that's powerful. That statement is powerful. And we need to acknowledge that. We need to, we need to learn from David there and realize that when everything else in our life is shaky and everything else is falling apart and we're not sure what's going on and our life feels like it's upside down, there is a rock we can go to. And there are things in this world that that sometimes maybe we try to make rocks and we try to stand on those things. Maybe it's our career or maybe it's on drugs or alcohol or maybe it's on a talent we have or maybe it's on our money in the bank account or whatever it may be. There are lots of things in our life that we try to make our rock, that thing that we go to in times of trouble, but, but those aren't rocks at all. Those things are sinking sand that, that, that quickly fall apart. But David recognized and acknowledged that Jesus was the rock, that God was his rock, and that's what we see mentioned here. You are my father, my God, my rock, my salvation. Salvation, right? There's a word that we are familiar with, especially in the New Testament, but even here in the Old Testament, David acknowledges that God is his rock and his salvation. That is, he is the one who is going to save him and deliver him, and what makes salvation possible for both David and you and I, it's Jesus Christ. It's that Jesus Christ died on a cross so that our sins could be forgiven and our sins are great. They are many. But it is Jesus, when we put our faith in him, that brings about salvation and forgiveness for us. And even David recognized this way back when. And that's what the, the psalmist here is writing as he speaks of David. Verse 27. I will also make him my firstborn, greatest of the kings of the earth. Now, again, we see... This language is talking about David, right? That, that he's going to be the, the first king in a sense, the king that God has appointed, the king that God wants, the king that God is going to use. Now, certainly Saul came before David, but but God is doing something special and specific here with David. It's going to be the kingdom of God that's going to come through the descendant of David. That is Jesus Christ who is going to come. And when we see this language of firstborn we might think, hey, wait a minute, there's somebody in the New Testament that's spoken of as the firstborn, and it's Jesus. We see that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. We see that Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. We see this same type of language. And so as we're talking about David here, it's clear when we read the Old Testament and see the New Testament that David's kingdom is pointing forward to Jesus. And so we see some of this same type of language in both the Old Testament and, and the New Testament. Verse 28. I will always uh, preserve my faithful love for him, and my covenant with him will endure. I will establish his line forever, his throne as long as the heavens last. Now, again, we're talking about David, but we're not talking about David literally. It's not that David is literally going to sit on the throne forever and ever. No, David's kingdom, as we have said, is coming to an end or a beginning, I guess you could say, in Jesus Christ, an end in that there will be no more after Jesus. Jesus is, is the king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And so all of this was leading up to Jesus. And once Jesus has come, that's it. There's no more. And so that's the beginning of the kingdom of God as God has intended it to be. And that kingdom is going to last forever. God has made that covenant. He's made that promise that the throne will be established forever. And today it is established. When Jesus was raised from the grave and he was raised up to God and he was seated at the right hand of God on the throne of God, it was at that time that God's kingdom was established forever by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And even these Old Testament passages help to remind us of that. They help us to remember, hey, God had already put all this into motion way back in the Old Testament. And what is Ethan doing here? He's praising God for it. He's praising God for his promises. Now, Ethan hasn't seen those promises fulfilled as you and I have. We've seen the rest of the book. We've seen the story. We've seen the fulfillment. Ethan hadn't even seen what we've seen. But yet he still acknowledged the greatness of God in those promises and the establishing of David's kingdom forever ultimately through Jesus Christ. Verse 30. If his sons forsake my instruction and do not live by my ordinance, if they dishonor my statutes and do not keep my commands, then I will call their rebellion to account with a rod, their sins with a blow. But I will not withdraw my faithful love from him or betray my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or change what my lips have said. Now, this is good news. It's good news that, that God didn't say, all right, I'm going to establish this through David. But if his descendants mess up somewhere along the way, then I'm going to cut the whole thing off. Now, we, we see these, this kind of language when God brought the people into the land. He said, hey, if you do right, if you seek me, if you follow me, if you're obedient to me, then I'm going to bless you. But if you don't, if you abandon me, then I'm going to curse you and I'm going to take you out of the land. That's what God said. There were, there were certainly some conditions that God gave when he brought the people into the land. He didn't say you're just going to stay here no matter what. He said, no, nope, if you're obedient to me, you're going to stay here. But if you're disobedient, you're going to be gone. But we see some different language here. That even though he had made this promise with David, that even if there were some that came after David who were disobedient and sinful that God was still going to keep his promise. And that's good because there were some kings that came after David, and even we could include David himself, that didn't always do good, that weren't always obedient to God. And praise the Lord that even though there were some bad kings, there were some good kings, and ultimately came the greatest king in Jesus Christ. But God says here, look, I made this promise to David, and even if he has sons who have sons who have sons, and they are disobedient, I'm going to hold true because ultimately through the bloodline of David is going to come the Messiah, the King, Jesus. Let's continue on. Verse 35. Once and for all, I have sworn an oath by my holiness. I will not lie to David. His offspring will continue forever. His throne like the sun before me, like the moon established forever, a faithful witness in the sky, Selah. So here in this first part of the psalm that we've looked at up through these first 37 verses, we see this continual praise from the writer about the goodness of God, about the strength of God, the power of God, the faithfulness of God, that God made these promises and he's going to stand by these promises. And he's praising God for who he is. He's praising God that he's established a kingdom. Now, we should praise God tonight. Because he's established that kingdom through Jesus Christ as good as the Davidic kingdom was. When David reigned and all that David did, there was some bad there, but David was a man after God's own heart. And for all the good that David did and for all the ways that God blessed David and began to build that kingdom through David, we see a better kingdom that is built today through Jesus Christ. Everything always is pointing us to Jesus Christ. We see lots of covenants and lots of promises and lots of things in the Old Testament, but they're pointing us to a fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, he has fulfilled those things that God has promised. All the promises of God are yes and amen through Jesus. I think I quoted that same passage Sunday. And so this is just one example of the goodness of God, of the promises of God. And if Ethan has reason to rejoice, as we've seen over these last few weeks, as we've kind of been looking at it as he breaks down this Davidic covenant, if Ethan has reason to rejoice without even seeing the Messiah, then how much more reason do we have to rejoice tonight in Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for these good words and God, I know in some ways this is this is kind of a repeat a little bit of what we've talked about, but but it's good for us, dear Lord. I hope we would praise you in such a way that we would praise your promises. And God, not necessarily the promises of the past, but what they led to in Jesus Christ, dear Lord. I pray that we would praise the promises that have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ and the promises that come to us through Jesus Christ, the promises of forgiveness of sins and eternal life, dear Lord, that comes when we put our faith And so, God, I thank you for sending a better king, dear Lord, because David and those that came after him were much like us tonight. There are days that we might be decent, but there are a lot of days that we fail, and we fail greatly. And so we thank you for sending about a better king who could lead us in the way that we need to be led, that could be perfect in all the ways that we are sinful. And we thank you for Jesus Christ, and I pray, God, that we would rejoice in him tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.